Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. And we are in the second week of a brand new series that we started last week on the daunting topic of mental health in the church. And we acknowledged the fact that historically the church has not done very well to service this need in people's lives. This very real need that is evident in the lives of Christians and those who would be Christians. But we believe in the healing power of God to touch every part of our lives because he cares about every part of our lives. That's what we believe here at this church, just to be clear. And so for too long, Christians have sat alongside Job's friends, i.e. the three stooges, and blamed hurting people for their pain. And at TCC, we do not believe that mental illness or struggles are a direct result of sin or the weakness of individuals. Mental illness should not be viewed differently than any other type of illness. Because we live in a fallen world, and sin brought a reality to mankind much different than the one that God had planned. Sin brought disease and shame, conflict, trauma, and all of the other things that create scenarios where mental illness can result. And I have no problem being transparent with you as your pastor that it has not been until recent years that I have had to work out my theology about this topic. And through my process, I've sought counsel and wisdom from men and women in the faith that I trust and that I am submitted to. And one of those individuals um, answered my question about this topic and what it means inside the context of the Christian faith. And this was their question to me. Kristen, would we deny help, medicine, or a long-term treatment plan to people with a physical issue? And I must tell you, I was stunned by that person's response. That analogy shook me to my core because I realized that I had been naive. I had been misguided in the way I viewed this problem. This trusted mentor of mine was, is a licensed minister, works in the field of psychology, and went on to explain to me that there are times in people's lives when the brain is unable to function correctly. There are conditions in which people need clinical help. They need medicine. They need counseling. They need to be a part of a support group for a time. And just as we would seek medical attention for an injury or for reoccurring symptoms we're experiencing in our physical bodies, people who are struggling with their mental health need to find help and they need to find support. And I believe that God can use the church. I believe that God can use those he has trusted in pastoral leadership to help these individuals navigate what help is necessary and what help is available for them. And so this is why this is a good time 
to be accountable to you. This is why Pastor Tom and I have taken the time to interview Christian counseling centers here in the Cincinnati area to better understand their process, to understand their views on psychology as it relates to believers, because we are not qualified to help people in these areas. That is not what we have been called to do. But we do strive to do our part under God to help people find a biblical help, a focus on healing and wholeness. And the Bible lets us know that God works through processes like these. He works beyond this house, beyond this campus. His touch is available to anyone with any need that they might have. And whether you're standing in this altar, and someday we will again, or you're sitting in the counselor's office, God's healing work in your life is not limited to this place. God does not just speak to us and work within our lives only in a service setting. But he wants to be a part of the daily routine, the daily struggles and battles that we fight within ourselves. He wants to be with us in every moment and guiding us through the healing process that we need in this area of our lives. This does not mean that we stop praying about these types of needs. This does not mean that we stop believing for God's intervention and miraculous power in this part of people's hearts. Why wouldn't we pray for God's healing for mental health problems with the same fervency and expectation as we would a physical health problem? Why would our expectation change? Why should it change? Do we assume that God views it differently because we do? Why wouldn't we pray for God's help in this way? And so tonight I challenge you as a believer to consider what your perspective is on mental illness and the role your faith plays in your opinion. The question is, where do we get our beliefs about this stuff from? Is it from culture? Is it our response against the culture, against the things that they teach and believe and mentor into people's lives that we don't agree with? And so our theology is just a knee-jerk reaction to whatever is against culture. That's not the right approach either. Is our opinion based solely on our experience or our lack of experience in this way? We need to dig out of this book what we believe about everything. We need to dig out of this book every single thing that we compose our faith of. Every question that we have, the Bible has an answer. The Bible gives us direction for our lives. And so last week, Dr. Henry Cloud, who is the author of the book we're using for this series, Changes That Heal, gives us a simplified approach to this issue 
And it is simply this. All of our problems stem from our failure to reflect the image of God. And we talked about last week the struggle that we have, that we try to divide up the types of problems, the types of issues that you and I have. And if we're honest, it doesn't help us deal with them at all. It doesn't provide us hope. It doesn't provide us direction. But when we understand that any struggle that you and I have in our flesh is a direct result of our inability to reflect the image of God on our own, we are setting our eyes in the right direction. We need God's help to change these things. Because we were made in his image. We were made in his likeness. And it is his will that we continue to be changed to be more like him. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified what then shall we say to these things think about mental health issues with me if God is for us who can be against us he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also with him graciously give us all things Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Amen. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure That neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul makes it clear in the beginning of this passage we just read, specifically in verse 29, that being more like Christ is the goal for every believer. We have to figure out what that means in every area of our lives. What does God want for me? What is his will concerning my mental health, my state of mind, the way I view myself, the way I interact with other people? Mental illness cannot separate people from Christ's love for them. Today, I read Romans 8 in a way I have never read it before, and I began to weep. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. 
Paul does not hide from us the fact that Christians will experience trouble. They will have tribulation. They will have distress. They will face persecution. They will experience famine. They will be in danger. These things are intense experiences in life. They will be traumatic times. There are times when we lose sleep. There are times when we lose our peace of mind going through seasons like Paul is describing. We go through these tough times in our lives and depression is present in our experience. But nothing, Paul says, can separate us from the God who loves us and wants to make us more like him. Amen. And so last week, we began with three ingredients of growth that Dr. Cloud gives us in this wonderful book of grace, truth, and time. All are necessary, and all three are designed by God to work together to help us learn to better reflect his image. Jesus was full of grace and truth. That's how John described him. He is love. He is truth. These two things do not work against each other. One does not cancel out the other. And we talked about last week in our app time the propensity that we have as human beings to err on the side of one of these three things. Sometimes we err on the side of love and grace. Sometimes we err on the side of truth. Sometimes we deny ourselves and others the time that they need to heal and to change. But time is a big part of God's process. And in Luke 13, Jesus told a parable about a vineyard and a gardener who stood in the gap for a tree that was to be cut down per the direction of the owner of that vineyard. That tree, in his eyes, was worthless because it had not borne fruit for three years. And the gardener's appeal is Jesus' appeal in our lives. That tree needed time, and so do you and I. And when the people brought the woman caught in adultery to Jesus, what was his response? In John chapter 8, verse 11, we see Jesus extend grace to the woman caught in the very act of adultery. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Jesus gave her grace. He told her to go. He gave her time to turn her life around. And he told her to sin no more. Jesus spoke truth to her, too. He didn't just embrace her as a sinner. He didn't just offer her grace in that he didn't condemn her. He didn't say, just go your way and I hope you figure it out someday because I'm going to give you time. No, Jesus said, don't sin anymore. This is the truth and you've got to hear it. These three things are clearly seen in this defining moment in Jesus' ministry. And so this week... We move into the second unit of changes that heal, and that is bonding to others. Oh boy, here we go. You ready? All right. According to Dr. Cloud, bonding is the ability to establish an emotional attachment to another person. It's the ability to relate to another on the deepest level. It is one of the most basic and foundational ideas in life. It is a basic 
human need. It is a need that is evident in the lives of people in every baby after it is born. And for a lot of babies, immediately after they are born. When my precious Emma came into this world, she was screaming her head off. I mean, she was red head to toe. And the nurses could not console her. The problem was, I got very sick right after she was born. I started falling asleep. I was having this weird allergic reaction to some medicine they had given me while I was in labor. And so I was not able, I mean, I was clocked out. I was not able to hold my baby girl. I didn't even know she was going to be a girl. Like, this is the highlight of my life, the greatest moment, the greatest surprise I will ever experience. And I am so sick, I cannot even console my baby. And so I was just out of it. The nurses were sweet. They had her swaddled. They were bouncing the fire out of her. I was trying to, you know, figure out what was going on. And Tom was in the corner just kind of standing. He did not feel the need to step in at that time. And we've come a long way in 14 years, thank God. And I'll never forget. What? Oh, Sunday's coming. Bring it, because Wednesday's coming. Come on. It's always Wednesday. But I remember feeling so conflicted. I mean, it was weird what was happening to me. I literally could hardly keep my eyes open. And I'm trying to watch. My, somebody help my baby. She is, she is very mad. She is very upset. And finally, that nurse looked at Tom and said, Dad? Like, she's yours too. And you can hold her. Please take her away from me. And so he sheepishly accepted the child (laughs) and when I tell you the moment he started talking to Emma she stopped crying and it was worth it because I had made him read to my belly for months and I was right she recognized his voice and that bond started immediately Because Emma was crying out. She was experiencing isolation for the very first time in her earthly existence. And she needed connection. She needed to bond with another person in order to feel secure immediately after she was born. Because you and I were created by God for the purpose of relationship. It is evident in us from the moment we come into this world. We were created to have a relationship with God and with people. And I think of what my dad used to say, there are no lone rangers in the church. God made it so that we would need each other. We would have to have people in our lives. It's not supposed to be just you and Jesus. And if you feel that way, If that's your philosophy and your walk with God, something is wrong. That is not a biblical mindset. Isolation was never part of God's plan. That's what makes hell what it is. Hell is a place 
where people are disconnected from God forever. And we understand that in 2020 in a way we never have before. We are living this truth that we are not created to live separated from people. And this is why God made Eve for Adam. God said, it is not good for man to be alone. The Bible uses the analogy of growth in the natural to illustrate God's desire for us in the spiritual. And this is why the Bible uses plants as pictures of growth. And you know that I love it. As I embrace this journey I am on to be the crazy plant lady, God, give me all the plants because you speak to me through nature and I love it. But here's the truth. Nothing grows in the natural world on its own. Think about it. Everything in nature requires sources of nutrition and sources of strength outside of itself. God did not make anything that is completely self-reliant. And you and I, as human beings, are not the exception to God's standard for all of creation. And in John chapter 15, Jesus taught powerfully on the importance of our connection to him and to one another. Beginning in verse 4, remain in me as I also Remain in you. The King James uses the word abide. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. There's grace again. And if you keep my commands, there's truth again, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. There's time. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Think of the context of that verse that we used in July for Growth University. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Speaking of a bond, a strong connection to others. Jesus made it very clear how important it is for us to be in relationship with him and in relationship with one another. And this is why mental health issues are, in fact, very spiritual issues. Because depression isolates us. Grief isolates us. Trauma can certainly make us feel isolated. And so how do we get help 
when we're feeling those things? How do we find help and hope when we are hurting so deeply and feel so alone? We have to reach out for it sometimes. We need to be willing and ready to help those who feel like they cannot get help or they don't need any help because we will not survive the storms of life without bonding with other people. And this is why we believe that everyone at TCC should belong. And one of the ways we can belong is by being a part of life group. Sidebar. But real quick, if you haven't joined a life group or it's been a long time, I wish that in the context of this lesson you would prayerfully consider why that is. Why are you not putting yourself in a place to be more connected to people who want to love you, who want to help you, who want to identify you with you and share their life experiences with you? If that is scary to you, if that is something you are unwilling to do as a believer, that is a clear sign that there is something that needs to be dealt with in your life. Amen. We move on. God is love. And at the center of everything that God is, is love. And love is meant to be shared. It is the essence of God's very nature. And so beginning at birth and throughout our life's journey, our needs are designed by God to be met through our connection to others. And this is why our ability and our willingness to connect with others is critical to our overall well-being. Research has shown, and I'm sure you're aware of this in some way, that a lack of bonding does not just impact our mental health, but it can also impact our physical health. Studies have shown that connection to others can help patients in their recovery processes from illnesses such as cancer, heart attacks, and strokes. Dr. Cloud puts it this way, when we are in a loving, bonded relationship, we are alive and growing. When we are isolated, we are slowly dying. Those are very heavy, very powerful words. There was a song that was sung a long time ago that put it like this, people, people who need people. Come on, sing it. Do your best, Barbara. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going up there. (laughs) You're braver than I am. I'm a lazy alto. But people who need people are the luckiest people in the world. But the Bible actually tells us many times that the condition of our hearts does impact our entire life. And I think it is very noteworthy that it is in the book of wisdom, the book of Proverbs, that these verses are found. Quickly, Proverbs 4, verse 23. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Chapter 14, verse 30. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh. Chapter 15, verse 13. A glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of heart the spirit is crushed. Chapter 15, verse 15, all the days of the afflicted are evil, but the cheerful of heart has a continual feast. Chapter 17, verse 22, a joyful heart 
is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Chapter 18, verse 14, a man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? It is powerful to realize that the wisdom book in scripture tells us repeatedly, pay attention to your heart. Listen to your emotions. Take note of your state of mind because these things matter and impact all of life. Our emotional and psychological well-being, Dr. Cloud says, depends on the status of our heart. And the status of our heart depends on the depth of our bond with others and with God. And in this book, Dr. Cloud provides a wonderful list of benefits of bonding with others. I encourage you to pick up this book and to look into it for yourself. But if bonding is so fundamental, so natural a need in our lives, why in the world is it so hard sometimes? The answer is simply that there's sin in the world now. Sin is what brought isolation into the Garden of Eden for the very first time. And I think it's important for us as Christians to acknowledge that this is not an automatic thing for us just because we have given our lives to the Lord. Because human relationships are complex. Right? Is that your experience? Just me? No. Okay. They're complex because they involve people. And I quickly want to mention two barriers that Dr. Cloud mentions in the bonding process for your prayerful reflection in your own life. The first one is past injury, meaning our past experiences, specifically painful ones, can make it difficult for us to know how to bond and connect with others in a way that is healthy and meaningful. And in the broken world we live in, we can experience pain from others to such a degree that we struggle with trust. It's difficult, even impossible sometimes, to connect with people that you do not trust. You may have trust issues here tonight. Just because we come into the church and are surrounded by good people does not mean our past experiences no longer have influence In our minds. But I have seen God heal broken people who come into the church. And if people hold you at arm's length, there is a reason for that. And I have learned that it's usually a valid one. People have hurt them very deeply. And if that is your story tonight, I want to tell you very sincerely that God is not intimidated by your trust issues. He's not mad at you for struggling in this way. He wants to help you. And one of the ways he helps people learn how to reconnect with others is by giving them meaningful connections through a church family. And many of us here tonight can testify to that fact. The second barrier to bonding is distorted thinking. We cannot receive the truth when we default in our minds to the lies that we have been told or the lies we've held on to for a very long time. We believe lies about ourselves, like I'm unlovable, 
My sins are worse than everybody else's sins. Our thinking can be wrong about others. No one is trustworthy. People don't really care about me. Our distorted thinking can impact our view of God. God doesn't really love me. God won't forgive me. Here's the good news for you and I tonight. God's word is clear that he can help us with both of these barriers of past hurt and distorted thinking. He wants to heal us from the pain of the past. He wants to give us a new mind, a new way of thinking and responding to others. And so as we head towards our app time, which will prove very exciting tonight, I want to give you five skills. There are many more in this great book, but five for us to consider that are needed for bonding. The first one, the first skill for bonding is move toward others. This can be the hardest part. Signing up for a life group has been terrifying for some people at Calvary. You move towards others. You make an effort on your own. We have to give people permission to be a part of our lives. The second thing is be vulnerable. Growth begins when we acknowledge a need. We have to open ourselves up. Don't make it hard for people to talk to you. The Bible says if you want friends, if you want connection, you must Show yourself friendly. The truth is, all of us have issues. No one here is perfect. Remember dad's rant about if you only knew who was sitting next to you? Right? And it's very easy. I've seen this so many times in my life where people have unfair expectations of people in the church. That they're going to fix all their problems. That they're going to meet all of their expectations that they're going to make up for all the things that everyone else has not been in their lives. And it's just not fair. We have to be vulnerable. Challenge your distorted thinking. This is one of the many reasons why your devotional life is so crucial to your spiritual growth. How else can you and I identify the wrong ways that we think? Wrong patterns that are contrary to the word of God because his ways are not our ways. And the only way that we will know that is when we look to the word of God. Number four is be empathetic. We have to soften our hearts in order to connect with people. And man, that can be really hard. But part of one of the wonderful benefits of friendship is to get your eyes off of yourself and your problems because we're not the only ones hurting. It helps us to acknowledge that through caring for others, allowing ourselves to feel what they are feeling, to experience life from their point of view. And fifth, rely on the Holy Spirit. That's the best news that I can give you tonight is that God has promised to help you in any way, in any effort that you make to be more like him. 
Jesus described the Spirit of God in John 14 as a comforter. And that word for comforter does not just mean he comforts us. But if you look up the Greek word that Jesus chose to use, it actually means the Spirit of God becomes our teacher, becomes our mentor, becomes a coach to us to help us navigate things we're not comfortable doing, to help us know what to do when we don't know what to do. We are promised a divine partnership in the Spirit of God. And so... It is 8 o'clock, it's 810, I'm sorry. And there's another big question coming at you. Are you ready? Of the five skills, which one could you do better at to bond and connect with other people? Is it being empathetic? Is it relying on the spirit? Is it being vulnerable? Is it moving towards others? Is it challenging thinking that is wrong? I'll give you a few minutes to consider it together. Here we go. All right. Hate to break up a party. I'll invite you to stand with me as we're going to conclude this lesson and go to the Lord in prayer. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Christ. This idea of bonding is a really big deal in our lives. It's not an easy thing. It's not even a natural thing, especially for adults, because life has taught us some really hard things. We've experienced things that are outside of God's ideal for families and relationships. But I've been trying to disciple people for a long time through Bible studies and trying to help them navigate a new life in the church and in God's family. And without exception, connection to other people is a key factor to a person's ability to heal, to break addiction, to do the hard work that is necessary to turn their lives over completely to Christ. And so isn't it obvious Understanding how biblical it is, how much benefit there is in it, that Satan will do all that he can to keep us from connecting, to keep us from trusting each other. We need the Lord's help. All of us need help from God in this way. And so I want us to pray with hearts that are open, 
not just thinking of other people that need to hear this, but God, how can I better connect with people? How can I better relate to your people? Because I need them and they need me. Amen. Lord, I love you and I thank you for this time and your word. It's so powerful. It speaks so clearly. God, sometimes we read verses and we just limit what they mean to what we need in that moment or even what we need them to mean in a particular situation. But your word is so clear, so applicable in so many ways in our lives. And so, God, I pray that those who are hurting and struggling in this way, maybe those who do not even realize the struggle that they have. They're, they've been fighting depression, Lord, in the last few months. They've felt lonely and isolated. Maybe they are struggling in their relationship with you. They're struggling with past sins and addictions. And maybe a key part of their recovery and healing process is this idea of bonding and connecting to the people of God. I pray, Lord, that the Calvary Church would be a place of healing for people in this way, that they would learn how to trust people if it is for the very first time, that there would be an openness and a love felt here that helps people break down walls that they have built around themselves for a very long time. Let your healing virtue flow through every part of our lives, every ministry of this church. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.